Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Lightning fans, you found the right show for everything you need to know about your favorite team in the NHL. It's the Lightning Insider Podcast with Eric Erlinson. Get ready for insight, historical perspective, interviews, and breaking news that comes from a reporter insider who's got near 20 years on the Tampa Bay Lightning beat. Now for the latest with the Lightning, here's Eric. Hello again, everyone. Uh, back for a recap of the summer to this point. Welcome into the lightninginsider.com podcast. Eric Burlinson here from lightninginsider.com. It's been a few weeks since uh, I last spoke or uh, caught up with everybody. Obviously from game six of the Stanley Cup final. It was... Uh, couple of weeks for me trying to catch up with my family those who saw my updates on Twitter over the past couple of weeks um, game six ended somewhere around what 11 15 or so uh, and I had went ahead and booked a flight at 5 30 a.m. out of Tampa to catch up with my family in Ohio where they were already at uh, spending some time on vacation um, with my wife's family up there. So a uh, couple of weeks of semi-relaxation. Obviously, a few things have occurred and happened since then, including the draft and free agency, the loss of an assistant coach. A couple of players are gone. Some new players have come in. Some contracts have been extended. There's a lot to kind of touch on here. So I'm going to try and get to as much as I can and uh, if anybody had heard me with uh, Jay Retcher (coughs) earlier this week or from when I'm recording this uh, we actually extended our time in Ohio which is uh, something great that we as a family have the uh, flexibility to be able to do my wife is a teacher and obviously with the off-season Uh, with hockey Um, if you know me if you've ever heard me on with Jay and Ian talk about uh, my appreciation for Billy Joel was able to catch a Billy Joel concert in Detroit at Comerica Park on what was just a stunning night in downtown Detroit parked right by Little Caesars Arena the first time I'd actually seen Little Caesars Arena because the the new hockey building for the Red Wings had not been built uh, last time that I was covering the team on the road on a regular basis. Uh, so I got to walk by Little Caesars Arena, walk over to Comerica Park, and a funny story, the only reason I was aware that Billy Joel was playing in Detroit while we were going to be up in that area was because we were walking around in downtown Cleveland and my youngest son had his Billy Joel concert shirt on from 
the show we saw in Orlando in March. And on the back are listed the dates of his tour for the rest of this year, at least his stadium tour, not the Madison Square Garden uh, shows, uh, but his stadium tour. And it said Detroit, July 9th. So we were able to look into tickets. It was actually a show that was postponed from 2020 when things got shut down, obviously, that summer. So it was a postponed show, uh, but we were able to get tickets to go see that. And uh, what a show it was. I've seen it many, many times. Uh, And that one was probably right at the top of what uh, I've been able to see him, been seeing him uh, anytime he rolled through Tampa going back to 1989, 1990, somewhere in that time frame. Uh, so that was a really cool treat to be able to do that. But back in town, was able to catch a couple of days, actually just one day of the four-day development camp because uh, was traveling back the first two days. And then free agency was on day one of the camp. So um, this is some of my thoughts on what is now a bit of a reshaped Lightning roster. We'll start with the loss of Derek Lalonde, who is now the head coach of the Detroit Red Wings. If you want to call it a trade, we'll call it a trade because Jeff Blashill, who was the Red Wings coach for the previous uh, six seasons, is now on the Lightning staff as an assistant coach, taking over for Lalonde. Uh, Lalonde was one of my favorite people to talk to in terms of. Uh, the staff. Always great to hear from him. He's got a, uh, a great insight when he talks to the media and gives us a lot of uh, good, good stuff to kind of build off of and, 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 you know, build stories around and talking points and everything like that. So uh, good luck to Derek in Detroit. The other major news that took place before the draft and everything else was, of course, the trade of Ryan McDonough in what was obviously just simply a business deal to open up cap space, carried a $6.75 million salary cap hit. Again, it's it's similar to Tyler Johnson, where you need the cap space. We know how much cap space is a commodity, especially in today's game right now with the flat cap. Remember, the cap is only going up $1 million this year. We expect it's going to take a significant jump after this coming season, and we'll touch on that a little bit more as it relates to the other extensions that Tampa Bay was able to um, uh, get done with a couple of players. Uh, but the trade of McDonough for Grant Mismash, a forward, and defenseman Philippe Myers, six foot five, right hand shot defenseman, who's been one of these players that tends to he got he's got a lot of the tools that teams like he's just never been able to kind of put it together so if you want to call it a reclamation project or whatever it is you know there's an opportunity for him to get some playing time here uh, the lighting are pretty good about that uh, it's it's funny they're a little bit deeper on the right hand side now than they were during the season and a little bit weaker on the left hand side because you lose a tremendous player in Ryan McDonough and again this is not a situation where the Lightning wanted to trade McDonough popular player popular player in the locker room I'm sure there's a lot of players who looked at that and said why are you trading him but there are things that have to be done 
to make everything work. And and this is where the tough, tough decisions have to be made. And Julian Breezeball, the GM, has said it many times that there are difficult decisions that have to be made. There are players that are going to have to be parted ways with that they don't want to part ways with. We saw this last summer when Blake Coleman and Barkley Goodrow had to move on. Tyler Johnson had to be moved. You know, players that helped this team win championships. And Ryan McDonough is going to go down as one of those players who was a huge, huge part of this team's success since he got here at the trade deadline in 2018. Steady, poise, physical, kills penalties, does a lot of things that every team wants on their roster. And he's going to be missed. There is no doubt about it. You're not going to replace a player such as Ryan McDonough. But it was a move made for this year and for down the road as well. Uh, and they were able to get that um, that that move done uh, ahead of time to open up some cap space. Uh, of course, before McDonough was traded, the deal everybody wanted to see, re-signing of Nick Paul, who will continue to do it all for this team, signs a seven-year extension with a cap hit just over $3 million, $3.15 million is his cap hit. And uh, he was excited. I could tell it. Look, we had heard, and I, and I think I'd mentioned this before, that he was looking for a house. He was looking to not rent a house. He was looking to make a purchase of a home before the season even ended. That gave you a really good indication of what his motivation was to remain here with this team and be a part of this team since he came over from Ottawa at the trade deadline and they found a way to get it done and Nick Paul is going to be a big part of this team moving forward we saw his versatility center wing face-offs tremendous penalty killer got some power play time you expect that his uh, his role will be a little bit more expanded heading into the season even though the Lightning's top six took a hit in free agency, uh, their their top nine are really good. Their top nine forwards are really good. Um, so it's not a huge hit uh, in talent-wise in, in what this team uh, is going to be able to do here in the next couple of seasons as their window to win more titles remains open. Uh, so Nick Paul back for a, uh, a seven-year contract, and again, everybody wanted to get this done. Uh, it was l- funny listening to him, not funny funny, but uh, kind of cool to listen to him say that as him and his fiance were kind of still around town for a few days after the season ended and out having dinner or out and about and so many fans saying, hey, love what you did. I really hope you stay. We really want you here. So for him to hear those things, uh, it just kind of all came together. So no surprise that Nick Paul back in the fold for uh, seven seven years now uh, as his contract gets extended. And then, of course, we have the draft. Interesting. You know, the Lightning, every time I talk to Al Murray, who's the director of amateur scouting and assistant general manager for the team, he talks about finding players who fit a certain mold, right? This player is a bolt. This player is a bolt. And what we've seen 
over the past number of drafts was a huge emphasis on character, leadership, competitiveness. Those are a lot of the main attributes that the scouting department looks for in players. And I'm not saying this year's crop isn't that, but if you look at particularly their forwards, there was a little bit more emphasis maybe on skill, you know, this year as opposed to maybe previous years because, you know, look, they're losing they're losing some skilled players. And what they don't really have a ton of in the system are skilled players. You know, I, I think of, you know, the year that Cole Kepke had in Syracuse as a 20-goal scorer as a rookie. Gage Gonsalves, who had 17 goals as a rookie in the AHL. Jack Finley, their second-round pick in 2020. The six foot five center making his way. Again, not highly, highly skilled players. Players who can score, you know, who have some versatility to their game. But then you look at, you know, the selection of Isaac Howard and the skill set that he has and some of the numbers that he put up with the U.S. development team. Uh, a, a good playmaking winger. Witnessed uh, Howard trying to do a, a Michigan in the three-on-three tournament and training camp. So you see some of the... The confidence and, and the skill understanding. He wasn't able to pull it off. Couldn't get the puck to settle on his stick, but I saw it. Saw him try and think about the move. So uh, you think about that. Their, their second pick, they made a, a trade to move up into the third round for Lucas Edmonds. Uh, overager, actually 21-year-old, drafted out of Sweden. Uh, actually played in um, the junior ranks this year. Uh, but 21 years old, he's a guy who can step right into the AHL, uh, get him acclimated pretty quick once he's signed to a contract. Howard, by the way, is going to college. He's going to Minnesota Duluth, uh, which is a powerhouse program. They've been to a couple of Frozen Fours here over the last number of years. Uh, of course, that's where Cole Kepke played, was Minnesota Duluth as well. Um, so a lot of skill emphasis. One goalie, the son of former NHL defenseman Marek Malik. Uh, so goaltender Nick Malik, who put up some really good numbers in Finland this year at the top league. Uh, again, an, another um, goalie into the system. Can't have enough of those because you never know how they're going to develop. Uh, a little thin in terms of the ranks. On goaltenders, but it's always interesting to hear Al talk about this because they don't ever draft four positions. Sometimes it, you know it's the the motto is best player available, but sometimes you know you do look at positions and if there's a tie, if their players are really close and you feel a need for a position maybe later in the in the draft, you see those aspects. Uh, but you know they end up um, with five picks in the draft. Six picks in the draft. Boy, my memory is really starting to go. Um, one defenseman, one goaltender, the rest were all forwards. So that was the, the draft. We saw a few of them on the ice in uh, at development camp, if anybody was out in Brandon. Um, the one day that I was out there, uh, I was able to catch the tail end of the three-on-three tournament. Uh, and I, I got to tell you, watching Dylan Duke who was a middle-round pick 
last year, who's at the University of Michigan. He's going to get a more expanded role for uh, the Michigan program this year as a couple of uh, top flight players left that program uh, and moved on to the NHL. Owen Power, in particular, the number one overall pick last year for Buffalo. Um, Matty Beneers, I believe. I'm sure somebody will correct me if I'm wrong there. Uh, so Dylan Duke's going to get an extended look, uh, expanded look for the Wolverines program this year. So keep an eye on the University of Michigan for him. But I was impressed with his instincts. Again, just a three-on-three tournament. I try not to read too much into this. I know everybody wants to say, hey, who stood out? Who looks good? Who looks ready? It's a development camp. Yes, it's an evaluation camp. Every time there's a camp, it's an evaluation situation. But they're there to learn skating techniques, improve on their skating, get some skill work in, and play these three-on-three tournaments. But in watching Dylan Duke for the first time live, because there was no uh, camp, development camp, his first development camp since 2019, um, instinctual hustles. Uh, I put a video on Twitter if anybody saw it. If not, go look on my Twitter feed from a... um, you know, the last day of camp there, feet never stop moving. That's one of those little things that coaches and scouts and everything look for. His feet never stop moving on a back check. And because of that, he's able to get back into the play. I didn't, in this particular case, and one that I watched, it didn't, you know, he didn't disrupt the play coming back, but he put himself back into position to be there. And that's so key for those little moments, those little subtle aspects uh, of a player's game. And it was just after I had stopped videoing, he actually did break up a play with a nice stick check. I think it was a two-on-one, which you see a lot of those in those three-on-three things. Um, So I was very impressed with Dylan Duke. Uh, Watched um, Isaac Howard, you know, put forth some of his skill in that situation as well. So um, that was a development camp. It was so, let me tell you, from a media standpoint, to have what was basically an open locker room, and this is key, especially for somebody in my situation who has to put stuff behind a paywall because I have to make money at this, to be able to go into the locker room and hold my own one-on-one interviews with players it's huge, and I sure hope that returns in the fall. Of course, assuming I'm back in the fall, I'm anticipating that at this point. But to be able to talk to players and create and write stories that are my own in terms of which direction I want to go with and you know the exclusive opportunity to have something that others don't have. And I, and I hope that that's something that starts to come across more and more often. I already have a story up on Nick Perbix, who's entering his rookie year at the age of 24 after four years at St. Cloud State, a year in the USHL. He was drafted in 2017. Uh, and he's he's going to enter his first pro camp on... Uh, in September for the rookie tournament 
you know, he was at this. He didn't have to be at this development camp, but he'd been at a few others in the past. So there's already a story up on Nick Perbix and his path to, you know, signing his first pro contract and getting ready for his first pro camp, including his experience at the Olympics. And he had a great story about when he was told he was going to be part of the Olympic team and how all that came about. So go check that out. Uh, if you're not a subscriber to my site, use the po- uh, the code podcast to get $10 off a yearly order, a yearly subscription. Uh, so just use the code podcast to check that out. I've got another story that I'm going to write on Dylan Duke and, and where he's come and what he's up for and, and everything else. So that story will be posted, if not by the time you listen to this, uh, sometime soon. Uh, so again, that's at uh, lightninginsider.com or all those. Most of everything you find on my website is under the daily charge situation. Uh, so just click on the daily charge at the top. And that's where you find most of the feature stories, uh, including the story on Duke that'll be up, including the story that's already up on Nick Perbix and everything else. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Don't be left out. Make sure you subscribe to the Lightning Insider on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else where podcasts are found. Now, here again is Eric. All right, now on to... The big news, what you've been waiting for. A lot of people have asked me, hey, are you going to record a podcast? I want to hear your takes on free agency. So here, here, let's start with who the Lightning lost in free agency. They only had really two unrestricted free agents off the NHL team. The first one was Jan Ruda. Defenseman signs with Pittsburgh. Three years, $2.75 million per year. Which, uh, look, I, I, Jan Ruda turned himself into a pretty steady player during his time here. There's no doubt he was a, a, a pretty good, consistent partner with Victor Hedman. But it was hard for me to see him getting that kind of money. But good for him. That's what you want if you're a player in his situation. Certainly if you're his agent in this situation. That's what you're trying to do. You're trying to, quote-unquote, cash in on your success. He wasn't going to get that kind of money here. He got it from Pittsburgh. So congratulations to Jan Ruda on his new deal with the Pittsburgh Penguins. And then, of course, the big loss. The one that I know broke a lot of people's hearts was the loss of Andre Palat. And we knew this was kind of coming. The writing was sort of on the wall. It was never totally written off, but the writing was sort of on the wall that there was probably not going to be enough money under the cap for the lighting to retain Andre Pilat. And he ends up going to the New Jersey Devils on a five-year contract, cap hit of $6 million. He was making 5.3 on the deal that just expired with Tampa Bay. 
And in talking with Julian Brisebois, they explored many different avenues. And Poat was willing to explore those avenues to see if there was a path to retain um, Palat with Tampa Bay, the only organization he's ever known, really the only head coach he's known in John Cooper. You know, short couple of stints with Guy Boucher when uh, first couple of call-ups that Palat had. But it just, there was no cap space. As Julian said, we tried many, many different avenues and we just ran out of cap space. That's what it all came down to. He was gonna. He was always going to have to take a hometown discount. It was going to have to be a massive hometown discount for him to stay. And it just from again from a player's perspective, it just didn't make sense. As comfortable as he was here, as great of a fit as he was here, and everything else, it just was never going to make the money work because he wasn't going to take half of what his current contract was not when you can make more on the open market and that's what it all kind of came down to so Andre Palat now a member of the New Jersey Devils and look I think the Devils are an ascending team Jack Hughes Dawson Mercer Nico Heischer you know there's they were in the Jack Hughes oh, sorry Jack Hughes <clears throat> Johnny Gaudreau sweepstakes at least they thought they were Close to home for Goudreau. Didn't get him. Obviously, he went to Columbus in a, what I think surprised a lot of people uh, going to the Blue Jackets. Uh, But watch out for the Devils. If they get some goaltending, they could be a team to kind of keep an eye on here. Remember, they made the big splash last year with Dougie Hamilton. And now make another big splash this year with Andre Palat to bring in some veteran guys to work with their younger players and to work around their younger players. And I think Palat's going to be a good fit there. Now, if they're expecting Palat to be a 25, 30 goal scorer, you know, the expectations have to be tempered, but he'll be a really good player on a team that has some pretty good centers. As we know, he, he tends to play well with everybody he plays with. Now, the, the two big acquisitions the lighting made on the free agent market. Defenseman Ian Cole, one year, $3 million to replace, you're not replacing Ryan McDonough, but to fill the hole created by McDonough. Veteran guy, been around. He's won a couple of cups as a member of the Penguins. Physical, kills penalties, blocks shots. Does a lot of the things that McDonough does, just maybe not as well. Uh, But he's not coming in to play second-pairing minutes as McDonough did. Top-pairing minutes many nights that McDonough did. He's here to play third-pairing minutes. And we'll get to the reason why in a minute. The other acquisition, the middle nine versatile. Versatility, we know they like to bring in players with some versatility to their game. And that's what's kind of taking place here. As Vladislav Nemestikov makes his return, he was a part of the trade in 2018 that brought in McDonough and JT Miller at the time from the Rangers. He has since gone on to play for Colorado, 
Detroit and Dallas. Uh, acquired the trade deadline a couple of times, first by Colorado and then by Dallas last year. Makes his return on a one-year $2.5 million contract, so that kind of gives you an idea of the salary range that the Lightning were probably looking to try and get Palat signed to just because of the cap restraints that they have. So you know there was no way that was going to work. There was no way Andre Palat was going to take less than half of what he was making uh, under his previous contract with this one. So Vladislav Nemestikov returns. Again, really good middle nine type of forward, middle six forward who can play wing. He can play center. He kills penalties. He can play on the power play. He had some pretty good productive offensive years with Tampa Bay, particularly when he was playing with Nikita Kucherov. Remember the the the, the Stamkov's line? When Stamkos, Nemestikov, and Kucherov were playing on a line together, they were pretty good, um, specifically during the 17-18 season. So Vladislav Nemestikov returns. Those are the two big acquisitions. They also add defenseman Hayden Fleury, who's a former seventh overall pick of Carolina. Also played with Anaheim and then was part of Seattle last year where he played with his brother. Uh, Fleury comes in. Uh, if you want to call it again, a reclamation project or uh, any. I mean, look, the Lightning have done this with a couple of players. Jan Ruda being one of them, you know, who was kind of a middling between the AHL and the NHL type of player with Chicago. That's kind of where Fleury's been over the last couple of seasons, just kind of this number seven, number eight kind of guy in the depth chart. That's what he's going to start at here. Left-hand shot D-man. Not going to bring a ton of offense, but he's also not expensive. Two-year contract, just over the, the minimum uh, in the $700,000 range. So he's a player who, if he doesn't make the roster, can be sent to the minors. Uh, and it's not going to hurt you in terms of salary cap uh, because of the contract and the amount of money that he's making. So it won't be a salary cap factor if he does not make the team. And there's a chance he could make the team out of camp because, as we learned uh, from Julian Brisebois, that Anthony Sorelli and Zach Bogosian are both going to miss the start of the season. They both underwent shoulder surgery shortly after the end of the season, so they're about a month, not quite a month, into uh, their rehab from the shoulder surgeries, which Breezeball said was a four- to six-month recovery. So if they had him at the beginning of July, you're looking at November, December as a return date from both those players. So with Bogosian out, that's obviously a right-hand shot defenseman. You have on the right side right now Eric Chernak and Cal Foote uh, in particular on the right-hand side. Uh, Perbix will be in that mix uh, because he is a righty. Uh, but there's a good chance that Fleury at least starts the season with the Lightning, depending on how his training camp goes. Because you'll need, you know, you'll want seven defensemen around. 
So that's where the, the big free agent acquisitions were on July 1. But the biggest news from July 1 were the contract extensions for Anthony Sorelli, Mikhail Sergachev, and Eric Chernak. All three players signed eight-year extensions. And this is a trend. This is something that the Lightning do well. They bridge players. If you want to even go back to Steven Stamkos, different circumstances with Stamkos because he was heading towards unrestricted free agency. But Stamkos took less on a bridge deal before he got his eight-year extension for $8.5 million. You have... Nikita Kucherov was in the same situation. Victor Hedman was in the same situation. Braden Point. Andre Vasilevsky. They all took a little less on their bridge deal with the understanding that when they hit their second deal, when they have arbitration rights and they have some leverage in negotiations that they would be taken care of. And just like Kucherov and Point and Vasilevsky, whose contracts... I hit $9.5 million on an annual cap hit. You've got these three players, Chernak, Sorelli, and Sergachev, getting significant raises. Sergachev, eight years at $8.5 million. Sorelli, eight years at $6.3 million. And Chernak, eight years at $5.3 million. Massive commitment for the eight years, but remember the eight years also brings a cap hit down. You're buying out some unrestricted free agent years, but by extending it out to the maximum of eight, remember you can sign your own players for eight free agents, you only get seven as maximum deals. You get the cap hit down to numbers that are more... What's the word I'm looking for? uh, Manageable, that fit under the structure of what you're trying to do. If you're Julian Breezeblaw, Matthew Darsh, and the staff in the front office there. And also, eight-year contracts, but these are players who are 24, 25 years old. So these are not players who are 30 years old that you're signing the eight-year contracts. And you have now these players under contract for nine more years because they're still playing one year under their current deals. And I had... Somebody send me a note on Twitter when, you know, they, they signed Cole and they signed Nemestikov. And the question was, this is why we traded Ryan McDonough? No. The extensions of Chernak, Sorelli, and Sergachev are what you got by trading Ryan McDonough. Because it opened up salary cap space. And the thing to keep in mind is a salary cap is going to go up. Again, it's, it's expected to make a significant jump after the 22-23 season as the quote-unquote debt from the players is paid back to the owners for the losses during the pandemic. You know, there was a lot of collective money uh, because of the way the CBA is structured that had to be paid back to the owners under the current deal. But with the new TV contracts kicking in and and the revenues back actually above pre-pandemic levels, uh, 
the cap's going to take a significant jump. So you can sign these contracts with the understanding and the expectation that there will be a large amount of salary cap space available after this coming season. And we know what Sorelli brings. You win championships with guys like Sorelli, the compete level, the doggedness, the defensive acumen. I've said it before. Anthony Sorelli is going to win a Selkie trophy based on his performance in the 2022 playoffs alone because of what he was able to do from a defensive standpoint. He will win a Selkie award based on that alone. You want to see his offensive numbers come up a bit. If he does, he's Patrice Bergeron 2.0. I think people have said that. We certainly know what Chernak can do. Big, heavy, physical defenseman. I think has more offense to his game than he's been able to show to this point. He's got a great shot. He's got good instincts when it's time to cut down low. As long as he can stay healthy, and certainly this year was a was a was tough for him in that aspect, but when you play the game the way he does, you're going to take some pucks in areas that are going to hurt. And then there's Sergachev, and a lot of comments in terms of Sergachev getting this contract, eight years at $8.5 million, and one of the first things people say, hey, that's more than Victor Hedman makes. True, it is. But remember when Victor Hedman signed his contract, and I did this, I had this in my story from free agency day. Percentage-wise, Sergachev's 8.5 is actually less compared to the cap than what Hedman's was. I, from, if my memory serves me correct, I think Hedman at the time, his extension ended up being 10.7% of the, of the cap ceiling. And right now, Sergachev's based on this year's cap. And remember, his extension doesn't even kick in until next year. So he's still under his current deal. Based on this year's cap, the, the percentage is 10.3. So if you look at it in that aspect, it's actually less than Victor Hedman. And this, you know, Sergachev has a lot to live up to here. There's no doubt about it. Especially with McDonough now gone. He has to step up into that role as the number two left-hand shot defenseman. He's going to have to kill penalties on a more consistent basis. And he's going to have to take on more minutes. And he was already playing 20 minutes a night anyway because he would shift over and and take some some ice time on the right-hand side. We'll probably see less of that moving forward now. But he's going to have to step his game up. I think the way he played in the Stanley Cup final should give people hope that that's going to be there. And let's not forget, he's 24. Been around a while. Came into the league as a 19-year-old. But he's 24 years old. He's still going to get better. He is going to get better. He he has Norris-type game. To what he can do. He has that kind of ability. Now what you have to look for. And I've said this before. When players sign these first quote unquote big money contracts. Sometimes they feel pressure to live up to them. So 
something to keep in mind as this season comes forward that sometimes it affects their game. I've seen it with Marty St. Louis. I've seen it with Brad Richards. I saw it with Tyler Johnson. You know, these first quote-unquote paydays these players get, they just feel there's a lot of expectations to live up to, and there are, but sometimes it does affect their game. So don't judge Mikhail Sergachev on this coming season alone when the contract kicks in. But Sergachev has all the tools. He can skate. He's big. We've seen him use his, his, his strength more in the past couple of seasons than he had early on. He's gotten stronger. He reads the game better. He is still prone to making some bad reads with the puck. No doubt about it. That's an area he needs to get better at, and he knows it. But this contract... He he's gonna he's going to earn this contract. He will. He's that good. Already, and he's only going to get better. He's we. It's hard to imagine. He's twenty four years old. Remember, Sorelli is twenty four years old. Chernak is twenty five years old. So all these players get these extensions, and they're still at a young age. So that is the big. The big recap of what took place in a couple of weeks over the summer. I expect it to be quite slow over the coming weeks. But before you know it, training camp is going to be here. It's going to start with the rookie camp. We don't have details on that yet. It was held here in Tampa, at least in Wesley Chapel, last year. Uh, It does tend to rotate. It's been in Nashville previously Um, so again awaiting details on where it's going to take place this year Uh, but that expect that right uh, right around after Labor Day with the anticipation that training camp will open up somewhere around the 17th I don't have a calendar in front of me as I'm recording this but somewhere around the 17th or so is when training camp should begin and hopefully that means for me selfishly from a media standpoint that the locker rooms will be back open and I can give you guys some more exclusive stories rather than the same story that everybody else is writing and I hope that that's an opportunity for you to check out more of my work again if you are not a subscriber to my site lightninginsider.com then I'll give you ten dollars off a yearly subscription simply use the code podcast that'll give you ten dollars off your first year Uh, And then back to full price for each recurring year that you do renew. Uh, So again, lightninginsider.com is the website. Uh, Again, story up on Nick Perbix already. Story coming on Dylan Duke. But for the most part, maybe there's a few minor league signings here or there. I can't rule out the possibility of a trade. You know, and before before I get off, a lot of questions about the salary cap situation. Because if you go to any of those websites, whether it's Cap Friendly, whether it's Puckpedia, um, that track salaries, of course, it's going to show right now that the Lightning are about $7 million over the cap. Keep in mind that Brent Seabrook's contract, which carries a $6.75 million cap hit, will be placed on LTI when the season starts. 
And also with the injuries to Bogosian and Sorelli, they also will start the year on LTI. So that will alleviate all of that and more. When Sorelli and uh, Bogosian are ready to return, they have to be cap compliant. So you have to have the cap space. So you can't go out and fill you know, spots just because you know, you've got all this LTI. You have to be cap compliant when those players come back. So just keep that in mind uh, moving forward. During the summer, teams are allowed to go 10% over the salary cap. So you don't have to be cap compliant until you turn in your rosters before the start of the season. So they'll go into training camp probably in the same situation. But as I said, you can't rule out maybe any trades that could take place between now and then. Um, Again, nothing that I'm anticipating, nothing that I'm alluding to in any way, but it is something to just kind of keep an eye on and keep in mind of uh, moving forward uh, as we head towards September. But for the most part, it should be quiet. Uh, As always, if anybody wants to reach out to me, Eric at lightninginsider.com is the website. It's E-R-I-K at lightninginsider.com. That's my email address through the website. My DMs are always open on Twitter at Eric underscore Erlinson, E-R-I-K underscore E-R-L-E-N-D-S-S-O-N. And as always, if any sponsorship opportunities, anything like that that you want to explore, I'm always open to that. Uh, Again, just email me or you can DM me on Twitter as well. All right, that's going to wrap up this edition. As always, thanks for listening. If you're not subscribed to this podcast, you can find it wherever you get your podcast. Just hit subscribe so you never miss an episode or an update. Uh, Enjoy your summer, everybody. Uh, I'm going to try and enjoy mine, what is little is left of it, uh, with an eye towards September and the start of camp. And we will talk soon. Thanks, everyone. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.